And gentlemen, oh, wait a minute. The world of identity I'm sorry, land, folks. which is a subset uh, playing of the wrong these subhuman. Um, <laughs> that's last week. No, are we? I didn't realize I was playing last week's episode instead of just playing the music. <laughs> All right, so let's make sure we're still on the air. Yes, we are. We're still on the air. And uh, I tricked myself, folks. I thought I was just playing the, uh, the theme song. All right, well, no better way to start the day. <laughs> Then also sprach Zarathustra by Richard Strauss. It's just an awesome piece of music. But anyway, uh, we're going to be doing chapter 11 of uh, Genesis. And uh, it's the Tower of Babel story that, uh, unfortunately, we still have the, the, Babel, the Babel people with us even today. So well, Genesis chapter 11, to, uh, it's 5,000 years 4,000 years ago, they're still with us. So, okay, very good. Uh, let's let's get into it. Uh, Genesis chapter 11. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 11, yeah. uh, verse 1, And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. Okay, let me uh, interject here. Where it says whole earth, you know, again, this is uh, the language of the translators <clears throat> is... You know, is it's deceptive it should it simply it should should say the known world the known world that's what it should say because we're not talking about china we're not talking about alaska africa yeah africa the south america that's not in the purview of this narrative here it should say the known world and that's that's the case for most of the old testament even in, in the New Testament, because you know, if you use the expression whole world and it's uh, referring to Palestine, okay, or that, you know, they collected, the Romans collected a tax to whole earth, for example, okay. Well, they didn't tax Africa, they didn't tax China, they didn't tax North America. You have to use common sense here. In every single case, it should be something like the known world, okay. Back to you. Uh, verse 2, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, go to, let us, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. 
And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower, whose top may reach unto heaven, and let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Uh, this is That's- interesting uh, because uh, it's made of brick, you know, so fired <clears throat> brick, which should be really strong and uh, virtually indestructible. However, uh, in, in the city of Chicago, there's a building called the Monadnock Building. It was one of the last brick-and-mortar buildings uh, in, in the city of Chicago before the, um, uh, the, the uh, steel and concrete construction method began, okay? And that was the world's tallest brick building because they couldn't make it any taller because the weight of the structure would start crumbling the brick on the bottom. So there's only so high you can build a building with brick and mortar. And uh, you know, so we don't know if they attempted to reach that height, but there is no way. That, like you can't uh, maybe half a mile. It's even doubtful they could that, get that high, maybe a quarter of a mile with a brick building. That's about the highest they could do it. Okay, back to you. <clears throat> Verse 5. And Yahweh came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they began to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. Okay, now this this makes absolute sense. They would have one language. Why? Because the three sons of Noah would all have spoken the same language. They're not from different races. They're not from different origins. They're not from different, uh, what do you call it, continents. They're all from this area. Okay, and they're speaking a language which, of Adam and Eve, which probably was Hebrew, or may, we can call it Proto-Hebrew. It may have changed somewhat from the time that Adam and Eve spoke it, and uh, the patriarchs, the pre-flood patriarchs, but it would not have changed substantially, and uh, they're all of one language because they're all of same race, same culture. Back to you. Verse 7, <clears throat> go to, let us go down, and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, which just means confusion, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth. And from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. Okay, so again, all the earth, all the earth, all the earth, that known the known territory, the known world, okay, that's basically what that means. Because they didn't get very far even after they were scattered. To, to the extent they got anywhere was uh, Europe, uh, Greece, uh, uh, North Africa, etc. You know, the, uh, so they nev- never got very far, uh, a few hundred miles, maybe a, a couple of thousand miles, away from this territory, Shinar, which is the bottom of the Tigris and Euphrates River, okay? <clears throat> Might be more than two or 3,000, but the, uh, it certainly wasn't uh, continent uh, changing, you know? They didn't uh, uh, change continents by their presence there. So, uh, now, here, because the, the, here Yahweh had to confound their speech because they were conspiring. <laughs> this, <laughs> They were conspiring against him by trying to build a tower which they could 
stand on and say, hey, we're as great as God. Well, this is Luciferian, right? So it We seems, don't need God. No, need no, him. no. We, we've got swords and, and helmets and, <laughs> and kilts and what have you. So we don't need God. You know? So this, uh, this is the beginning of the rebellion and a conspiracy against Yahweh. Back to you. Verse 10. These are the generations of Shem. Shem was 100 years old and begat Arphaxad two years after the flood. And Shem lived after he begat Arphaxad 500 years and begat sons and daughters. And Arphaxad lived five and 30 years and begat Selah. And Arphaxad lived after he begat Selah 403 years and begat sons and daughters. And Eber lived 430 years and begat Peleg. And Eber lived after he begat Peleg 430 years and begat sons and daughters. And Peleg lived 30 years and begat Ru. And Peleg lived after he begat Ru 209 years and begat sons and daughters. And Ru lived two and 30 years and begat Sarug. <clears throat> and Ru lived after he begat Sarug 207 years and begat sons and daughters. And Sarug lived 30 years and begat Nahor. And Sarug lived after he begat Nahor 200 years and begat sons and daughters. And Nahor lived 920 years and begat Terah. And Nahor lived after he begat Terah 119 years and begat sons and daughters. And Terah lived 70 years and begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Okay, so we can see this is the continuation of the bloodline from Adam and Eve through Noah and through Shem. Okay, so through Shem and obviously Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the bloodline of the covenant people. And this is what the Bible is about, folks. The Bible is about tracing the ancestry of Jesus Christ and the covenant people, you and me, the Caucasian Israelite. This is what the Bible is about. This is why it goes into such great detail tracing the ancestry of all these people. Okay. Because it's a book to, by, for, and about Israel and no other people. Back to you. Israel only. Amen. There can be no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Verse 27. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran begat Lot. And Haran died before his father Terah in the land of his nativity in Ur of the Chaldees. And, Abram be and Nahor took them wives the name of Abram's wife was Sarah, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Iscah. But Sarah, or Sarai, was barren. She had no child. And Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son, Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees, to go into the land of Canaan. And they came unto Haran and dwelt there. And the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Okay, uh, I was asked a question earlier this week about you know, what is the origin of the Celtic church in Britain. And uh, in my opinion, it originated with the, these Chaldees, uh, they even still call themselves Chaldees with a C, C-U-L-D-E-E, -E, Chaldees. And it's obvious that these people are Shemites, okay? Some of these Shemites must have accompanied the 
12 tribes of Israel in their uh, boat excursions to Great Britain. Some of them may have gone overland, but uh, these Chaldees were uh, not necessarily Israelites, but Shemites who had, uh, uh, let me put it this way, they were not given to evil. They were simply uh, trying to uh, live life uh, peacefully. And some of them got around, okay? Some of them got as far as Britain, where the Chaldee or Celtic Church was founded, okay? The Celtic Church existed well before the Christian Church in Britain, well before. But it accepted Christianity uh, without any complaint because uh, they had the uh, prophecies, they were familiar with the prophecies. So, but that's where the origin of the uh, Chaldee or Chaldean Church is. It's way back here at Tigris Euphrates River among the Shemites. Okay, back to you. Chapter 12. <clears throat> now Yahweh had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. I think we need a little explanation on this, uh, all the families of the earth. Uh, yeah. That, you know, um, I, it, all the other races can be blessed. They may not be chosen, but if they will recognize this order that Yahweh has instituted, that, that we are his chosen people, then they too can be blessed, and the whole earth has been blessed. Yes, it has. By the white race, the uh, inventions of the white race and such. Right, right. And so, but yeah, the, verse 2 is the unconditional blessing. Thou shalt be a blessing. Okay. So nobody can say, if, if this is true of the Jews, uh, where, where have the Jews been a blessing? <laughs> okay. Nowhere. Nowhere. <laughs> No, it can't be true of them. But now with verse 3, they can claim, well, you haven't been blessing us enough, therefore you've been cursed. Okay, but what about verse 2? <laughs> okay. No, that doesn't apply to us. Okay, well, neither does verse 3. Back to you. <laughs> verse 4. So Abram departed, as Yahweh had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. <clears throat> And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. Okay, so he's 75 years old. I'm 74 years old, and I'm still strong and fit and active. Uh, they, Abram had clean air and good food, and, uh, no GMO uh, stuff to deal with. Uh, he, he had as healthy a life as possible. The only difference is that the lifespans of the patriarchs started becoming shorter and shorter after the flood. Okay, but he would have been a very strong, healthy man, capable of making making these trips and then uh, going to war with the enemy, you know, like the uh, people in. Uh, uh, in Lot's territory, making war against them to, to rescue Lot. So he was a very strong, fit man at age 75. And, and later on, we'll find out at age of 99, he was capable of bearing a child. Back to you. 
So 75 then was probably the equivalent of about 35 today. Yeah, right? maybe that's right. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. And you could run faster <laughs> than people today as well. Yeah. Verse 6. And Abram passed through the land unto the place of Sikkim, unto the plain of Moreh. And the Canaanite was then in the land. And Yahweh appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and high on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. Verse 10, and there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. And it came to pass, when he was come near to enter into Egypt, that he said unto Sarai his wife, Behold now, I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass, when the Egyptians shall see thee, that they shall say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. And it came to pass, were you going to say something? Yeah, there must have been some kind of tradition in those days, which is not explained here, that uh, pretending to be his sister would be uh, less dangerous for him. I don't see why, you know, whether she's married to him or his sister, if uh, somebody wants to grab his sister, uh, maybe uh, because she'd be the sister, they wouldn't consider the brother a threat to taking her in marriage, okay? That's what I think it is. Yeah. I think if if, if they kill off the husband, then she's fair game. Then, then she's yeah. free. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that's probably why. So maybe that was kind of common in those days. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Some Still is. Yeah. 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 Right. Okay. Very good. All right. Um, verse 14. Uh, and it came to pass that when Abram was coming to Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman that she was very fair. The princess also of Pharaoh saw her and commanded her before Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And he entreated Abram well for her sake. And he had sheep and oxen, and he had asses and men servants and maid servants, and she asses and camels. And Yahweh plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called unto Abram and said, "What is this that thou hast done unto me? Why didst not, why didst thou not tell me that she was thy wife?" Why saidest thou, thou, she is my sister, so I might have taken her to me to wife? Now, therefore, behold thy wife, take her, and go thy way. So his logic was the exact opposite <laughs> of what the Egyptian uh, felt, okay? So, anyway, it was dumb. It was really stupid of Abraham to do that, okay? Yeah. And, and Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away, and his wife and all that he had. Get out of here, you troublemaker. Get away. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we all make mistakes, even Abraham. All right, okay. All right. Okay, so chapter 13, Abraham and Lot separate. 
And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle, in silver and in gold. And he went on his journeys from the south, even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Hai, unto the, unto the place of the altar, which he had made here at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Okay, uh, Yahweh, okay, because the, uh, the, uh, the Shemites uh, forgot the name of Yahweh. It's, uh, certainly the Israelites forgot the name of Yahweh while they were in Egyptian captivity. And uh, Moses actually had to learn the name of Yahweh from uh, Ruel, the Midianite. Okay, so Midian uh, was a descendant of Abraham. So, uh, so those people knew the name of Yahweh, but the, the Israelites... Uh, had lost it well, during their, uh, well, I couldn't call it sojourn, their uh, enslavement in Egypt, okay? So, uh, so, but very importantly here, he was very rich in cattle, silver, and gold. This is, silver and gold is biblical money. It's, it this, is. It's real money, and that's the only kind of yes. real money there is, folks. Everything Not else paper is... paper money. Right. Uh, Federal Reserve notes. There you go. Notes. Well, the word note is is a piece of paper saying you owe me. <laughs> a note is a promise to pay. That's right. That's right. So if I have a, b a bunch of gold in my hand, is that promising anything to anybody? Are you still there? Yeah. 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 I didn't catch you. You faded out. Did you? Yeah. I didn't oh, hear okay. What you just said. Yeah. Uh, 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 a piece of gold or silver is not a promise to pay anything. It's just real value, okay? But uh, as long as people trade notes in turn for each other's goods, you know, it circulates as money, but it's not real money. Ultimately, in fact, we're, we're experiencing a crisis in the silver futures market right now where mm -hmm. people are beginning to ask for delivery of the silver, that they've invested in. And it's not there. It's not there. <laughs> okay. Because they printed more notes. Yeah, there than, you go. Then there they, is silver. Amen. So uh, that's going to precipitate a crisis and uh, a crash of the futures market. But the price of silver should go skyrocketing once, once that happens. We'll see. That'll be a very interesting development. Okay, back to you. <laughs> Verse 6. And the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelt then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will, I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, 
and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners yeah. before the Lord exceedingly. Yeah, they're, they're part of a swamp in Washington, D.C. as well. Exactly. Yeah. And the Lord said unto Abram, After that, Lot was separated from him. Lift up now thine eyes, and look from the place where thou art northward, and southward, and eastward, and westward. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it too, and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land in the length of it and in the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. Then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. Okay, so here we go. The posterity of Abraham, we're still tracing the bloodlines. Only the direct descendants of Abram will uh, uh, have these prophecies apply to them, although we'll find out further on that uh, the bloodline devolved onto Isaac and not Ishmael and Keturah's sons. But nevertheless, the blessing that they would be uh, spreading abroad like the uh, sands of the sea and the uh, stars of the sky applies to all of Abraham's descendants, but not to any Jews. Back to you. And it clearly says in verse 16, thy seed, you know, it says it over and over again. Your direct descendants, your posterity. That's yep. what it means. Yep. Genesis chapter 14. And it came to pass in the days of Amraphel, king of Shinar, Arioch, king of Elisar, Shadalomer, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of nations, that these made war with Bera, king of Sodom, and with Bersha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Adma, and Shemaber, king of Zebolan and the king of Bela, which is Zoar. Okay, so it's interesting. The uh, Here again, we're talking about the Chaldeans. A, a group of Chaldean kings made war against uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. So uh, we know that Sodom and Gomorrah were wicked, and there's uh, probably some bad blood between these two groups of kings. So, uh, you know, and Abram came from th- this group of uh, Chaldeans, although he was a direct in the direct line of descent uh, that we just enunciated at, from Shem. Okay, where not all of these people, although most of these uh, kings from uh, from uh, uh, Shinar were probably Shemites, uh, <clears throat> overwhelmingly Shemites. Back to you. Verse three: All these were joined together in the valley of Siddim which is the Salt Sea. Twelve years they served Shadolomer, and in the thirteenth year they rebelled. And in the fourteenth year came Shadolomer and the kings that were with him and smote the Rephaims in Ashtaroth, Kernaim, and the Zuzims in Ham, and the Emims in Shavak, Karethim. Okay, so this is something I had overlooked. So we're, we're talking about Shadolomer, and the kings uh, from uh, Chaldea being uh, attacking the Canaanites, even before the Israelites. Uh, I never realized that. Uh, I had overlooked this. So he attacked the Rephaim. Rephaim are the fallen angels, the giants, uh, the giants that came from the fallen angels, and the Zuzims, 
in Ham, so the in Ham, well, in the territory of Ham, and the Emims in the Shave Kiriathim. So uh, here we see that these Chaldeans had made war against the uh, Canaanite uh, descendants of the fallen angels even before the Israelites did. Back to you. You know, they must have really been weakened, those the descendants of the fallen angels, to be able to be defeated that easily. You know, it says they defeated the Raphaim, smote the Raphaim. Right? Yeah, yeah. So they must have been uh, pretty watered down, I guess, by that time to not put up much of a fight. Right. Doesn't well, sound like. yeah. Well, uh, one of the stories about giants is that they're the giantism is they're pretty stupid. Okay, they don't have much <laughs> intelligence, and it's easy to trick them. And an organized army uh, would be able, especially if you can pick them off one at a time. You can overwhelm these uh, giants, okay? The same thing is true here in the Americas, where the mm-hmm. American Indians, uh, and just about all over the world, because they all have stories of giants. Especially in the Southwest, the Grand Canyon has all kinds of uh, artifacts of giants. There's caves that you can visit showing uh, bones of giants. And the story there goes, too. They had to, they had to exterminate these giants because... They were eating up all the food, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and then uh, dragging people off, you know, un- unaware. So the people had to band together and make war against them. And invariably, the normal-sized people will beat the giants, okay? Because the giants aren't very smart. Okay, back to you. All right, verse six, and the Horites in their Mount Seir unto El Paran, which is by the wilderness, and they returned and came to in Misfat which is Kadesh, and smote all the country of the Amalekites, and also the Amorites, that dwelt in Hazaz on Tamar. <laughs> and there went out the king of Sodom, and the king of Gomorrah, and the king of Adma, and the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, the same as Zoar, and they joined battle with them in the, in the vale of Siddim, with Shadolomer, the king of Elam, and with Tidal, king of nations, and Amraphel, king of Shinar, and Arioch, king of Elisar, four kings with five. Hmm. Okay. And the vale of Siddam was full of slime pits, and the kings of <laughs> Sodom and Gomorrah fled. Oh, like I said, the swamp. <laughs> right. <laughs> and fell there, and they that remained fled to the mountain. And they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah, and all their victuals, and went their way. And they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom, and his goods, and departed. And there came one that had escaped and told Abram, the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre, the Amorite, the brother of Eschol, the brother of Aner. And these were confederate with Abram. And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318 and pursued them unto Dan. And he divided himself against them, he and his servants by night, and smote them and pursued them unto Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods and also brought again his brother Lot and his goods and the women also and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Shardolomer and of the kings that were with him at the valley of Sheba, which is the king's dale. 
And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which has delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he gave him tithes of all. Yeah. And the and the king of Sodom said unto Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. And, and Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up I have lifted up my hand unto yeah, unto the Lord, the Most High God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet, and that I will not take anything that is thine lest. Thou shouldst say, I have made Abram rich, save only that which the young men have eaten, and the portion of men which went with me, Aner, Eschol, and Mamre, let them take their portion. Okay, End so he's chapter fourteen. So he's <clears throat> being nice. <laughs> he's, all right. Yes. Okay, but uh, yeah, brother Aber and I have been trying to figure out exactly who uh, this. Uh, um, Melchizedek was, or Melchizedek, and uh, because we have conflicting dates between the Septuagint and the King James Version, uh, suffice it to say, because some people say it is actually Shem himself, but uh, according to the uh, ages of the Septuagint, that would make him uh, a thousand years old <laughs> by this time, and that doesn't work. So uh, whoever this is, it's just important to say that the priesthood of the order of Melchizedek is the eldest son of the eldest son of the eldest son. And that was begun with uh, Adam and Seth. Okay, Seth was the first priest of the order of Melchizedek. And you should go down the list, and you have to be the, the son, the eldest son of the eldest son. So Enoch would have qualified as that. However, he was translated into heaven before he could take the office, okay? Uh, although he did have a son, I think it was Methuselah, uh, who eventually did become the uh, you know, high priest of the order of Melchizedek, okay? So as far as I'm concerned, this high priesthood still exists. Uh, Yahweh knows who the eldest son of every given family is. And every eldest son of any Israelite family must uh, take the responsibility of teaching the law to his family. That's that's the function of the, of this order. Okay, back to you. I have a theory on this Melchizedek. Okay, and uh, my theory is in Hebrews chapter seven. Uh, we can start. I'll, I'll just start reading here. Okay. Um, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 1, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings, and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all first, being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. Now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. And verily, they that are of the sons of Levi, who received the office of the priesthood, have a commandment to take tithes of the people, 
according to the law, that is, of their brethren, though they came out of the loins of Abraham. But he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had blessed him that had the promises. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. So my theory after reading Hebrews chapter seven, verse one through seven, is that this Melchizedek was actually Christ himself, Yahweh himself. Yeah, it could be a lot of people have concluded that. But uh, read the description uh, 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 without uh, beginning. Read that description again and okay. see if it conforms to the eldest son scenario I described earlier. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, in, in Hebrews? Yeah, in Hebrews. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with, verse 3, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. Okay, um, so that, well, this this could be a, a, a description of an office. Okay, yeah, that's All true. Right. Not necessarily that. a line of descent, and it is not an, exactly a, a, a line of descent because, as we saw, uh, Enoch, uh, who stood in line to get it, didn't get it, and uh, so it's it's more it can be it can be shifted around from uh, you know one family to another. Okay, but yeah, I agree. A lot of people have concluded because the language is so vague and confusing that it must have been Jesus in the flesh, uh, you know, taking tithes from Abraham. Okay, but now, what, uh, what got me was the part about the uh, the um, without father, without mother, without descent. But you know, that makes sense that it could be a, an office that, like you said, that makes sense as well. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it can always be interpreted as a, a, first a living being. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Brother Eber says uh, Shem would be twelve hundred years old <laughs> if if he were around at this time. But uh, yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out because uh, it's really easy because there weren't that many Shemites. Uh, it has to be a Shemite. There's no doubt about it. It has to be a Shemite uh, that uh, were related to uh, Abraham. Uh, could have been Haran, you know, but uh, as I understand it, his brothers under Terah were, uh, you know, were evil. Uh, they were practicing pagans, okay? They had adopted mm-hmm. paganism. So it had to be somebody else that's not mentioned in the scriptures, okay? Somebody who is mentioned, but not in, in reference to the priesthood of the order of Melchizedek, okay? So it's very interesting. It's a really interesting dilemma, and we're going to continue to work on it because it's it's got me uh, curious. <laughs> I, well, yeah, yes, no doubt he was a Shemite. Okay, very good. All right, where All are right. we? Yeah, chapter okay. fifteen of Genesis. Okay. <clears throat> After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, "Fear not, Abram. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward." And Abram said, "Lord God, what wilt thou?" Give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thy own bowels shall be thine heir. 
And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that thou brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And he said unto him, Take me an an heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these, and divided them in the midst, and laid each piece one against another. But the birds divided he not. And when the fowls came down upon carcasses, Abram drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And, lo, an horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. Speaking of the Egyptians here. That's right. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward shall they come out with great substance. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall come hither again. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't think it is yet. (laughs) We're we're still dealing with them today. Yeah, back to you. And we're still in captivity today. Oh, man, yeah. (laughs) And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land, from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenites. Right. Okay, before reading the names, the, the promise was made to Abraham and his descendants, not to the Jews. Okay, so the entire territory from the Euphrates to the river of Egypt belongs to the descendants of Abraham, of which we are a part, the Ishmaelites and the sons of Keturah also a part, and those are the people who occupied that entire area when Christ walked the earth. The Jews are such a small number of people, and always have been, they they could never occupy this large territory. Absolutely never. I mean, so if you just think about the logistics here, it's not possible for the Jews to take this territory, and of course they haven't. They they can't get out of they can't get out of their own way, and they're still stumbling around in Palestine. Back to you, verse nineteen, and the Kenites and the Kenizzites and the Cadmonites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Rephaims and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Girgashites and the Jebusites. Yeah, so Tetzeloamer didn't finish the job. And uh, we we would have to. So basically predicting there has come a time when the Israelites, once they come out of Egypt, are going to take care of these Canaanite descendants of Cain. All right. So so these are the descendants of Cain in uh, in Palestine. Okay. Because the uh, the flood was not global, 
people were able to escape in various different directions. And some went to Palestine, others went north, others went south, etc., etc. In fact, I'd say most of the escapees went east and northeast toward the Himalayas into higher ground. Okay, that's that's what would have happened, and uh, you know because uh, you have all kinds of cultures uh, living through the so-called flood, but in most places the the flooding wasn't that bad. It was, but the deluge was great just about everywhere. Okay, so that's how this has to be understood, and uh, so you, from that perspective, you can easily see how so many tribes of people could have, you know, survived the flood and uh, you know maintained their identity all the way back to Cain. Back to you. <clears throat> Chapter 16. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, bare him no children, and she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid, it may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarah. Bad decision. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, well, it says right here she's an Egyptian. It means she's a Hamite. She's a white woman. Okay. Yeah, but we're, right. we're going to see how Sarah yeah. didn't really like this after the fact. So. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Even our own people are prejudiced. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And, and Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and, and Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. And gave to her husband Abram to be his wife. Okay. And he went in unto Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. That's what I was talking about. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Sarai said unto Abram, My wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid unto thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between me and thee. Okay, well, uh, you can see in those days... Uh as it should be, there was jealousy among women. You know, the, the women who weren't uh, capable of bearing children weren't necessarily despised, but uh, they were considered cursed, right, that, that uh, they can't bear children. So the women wanted to be uh, child bearers uh, with a great intensity, okay, unlike today, where uh, for many women, that's the last thing you want to do is be a mother. Okay, back to you. Verse 6, But Abram said unto Sarai, Behold, thy maid is in, is in thy hand. Do to her as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarai dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. And the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, whence comest thou, and whither wilt thou go? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress, Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, return, return to thy mistress and submit thyself unto her hands. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. Okay, this is Ishmael. Okay. They're not Jews, Ishmaelites, but these people were white. Back to you. Verse 11. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shalt bear a son, and shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has heard thy affliction. And he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. 
And she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, Thou God seest me. For she said, Have I also here looked after him that seeth me? Wherefore the well was called Bir Laharoi. Behold, it is between Kadesh and Bered. And Hagar bare Abram a son, and Abram called his son's name, which Hagar bare Ishmael. And Abram was fourscore and sixty years old when Hagar bare Ishmael to Abram. Okay, so uh, we're almost to Isaac. Okay, let's do chapter 17. Chapter 17, and this is where we really see about the seed line. Amen. This is, <clears throat> when Abram was ninety years old and nine, the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face and talked with God, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shalt thou name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee. And I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee. Yeah, and, spot and we haven't even gotten to Keturah yet, okay? So uh, we're talking about millions and millions and millions of descendants yes. that uh, uh, come from the loins of Abraham. Back to you. Verse 7, And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant and to be a the, God right. unto thee the and to thy seed. Right. The expression of great importance here is to thy seed after thee. That means your direct descendants. Nobody who is not out, anybody who is outside that seed line cannot become you know, a, a member of that covenant. You have to be a direct descendant of Abraham to qualify. Back to you. And it's an everlasting covenant. That's it's right. Forever. Exactly. All right. I guess people don't understand what forever means. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly, the Christians don't. Yeah, everlasting means just that. Everlasting. Yeah, right. Yeah, never ends. Amen. Verse eight, and I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And it still belongs to us. Unfortunately, the British gave it away to the Jews, but but that'll be corrected soon. Okay, back to you. And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. Okay, there's that. It, could, it should have been translated as direct descendants. Okay, you might as well read it as such, so there's no confusion. But you see that expression, thy seed after thee, very, uh, very often. Over passages. and over yeah, again, exactly. Every, every right. other verse that excludes verse anybody not in the direct line of descent. Back to you. Yeah, I don't know how that could be misunderstood. It's yeah. so clear. Yeah. Verse ten: This is my covenant, which ye shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be circumcised, and you shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of covenant betwixt me and you. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you. Every man child in your generations, he that is born in the house or bought with money of any stranger, which is not of thy seed. He that is born in thy house and he that is bought with thy money 
must needs be circumcised, and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. Okay. And, yeah, now th- there's a, a bit of confusion here. I think there's a problem in the translation. He that is bought with thy money must needs be circumcised. So uh, d- apparently the uh, Abraham uh, purchased servants, okay, from uh, p- uh, from people living in the area, okay. Those would have been Adamites, okay. He wouldn't have purchased a non-Adamite servant so that... Uh, as long as they're Adamites, they can be circumcised. But even so, it does not say, because we really haven't been given the uh, the law of Moses yet, whether or not they uh, can partake of, for example, the Passover. But Passover hasn't happened yet, okay? So uh, in all these passages, before there was such a thing as Passover, and the Israelites uh, forbidding certain strangers from uh, participating in Israelite rituals, and other strangers uh, are allowed to, okay? So uh, you have to check every, each and every single word that has been translated as stranger and determine, well, is this a an Adamite or a non-Adamite, okay? Typically, when it's a non-Adamite, they are forbidden to partake of the Israelite uh, rituals and feast days. Back to you. Yeah, the word stranger can have like five or six different meanings. Yeah, that's right. Different words. Mm -hmm. Verse 15, And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Okay, so this is the first mention of kings coming from the loins of Abraham, okay? But only through Sarah. Back to you. Verse 17. Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? And Abram said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. So he thought Yahweh was joking. <laughs> right? Okay, well, we said he was very strong at age 75. This is 24 years later. How strong is he? <laughs> strong enough. Back to you. Verse 19, And God said, Sarah, thy wife, shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant. And with his seed after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him, and will make him fruitful, and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget, and I will make him a great nation. Okay. All right. By the way, Isaac means laughter, because Abraham laughed when when he heard the news. And so did Sarah. She, She also laughed. Okay, back to you. That's where we get the name Saxons as well, Isaac's sons. That's exactly right. Verse uh, 21, But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. Okay, so it hasn't happened yet. It's going to take a whole year before this prophecy of Yahweh to be fulfilled. But he is determined that uh, the, the child shall be 
uh, the, the, the son of Sarah, not any of the other women, and of course the father would be Abraham. So Yahweh is determined to uh, uh, continue the covenant seed line through Sarah. Back to you. Verse 22, And he left off talking with him, and God went up from Abraham. And Abraham took Ishmael his son, and all that were born in his house, and all that were bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house, and circumcised the flesh of their foreskin in the selfsame day, as God had said unto him. And Abraham was ninety years old and nine, when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael his son was thirteen years old, when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. In the selfsame day was Abraham circumcised, and Ishmael his son. And all the men of his house, born in the house, and bought with money of the stranger, were circumcised with him. Okay, so what we see here is that even the Ishmaelites were circumcised, but they were uh, circumcised at the age of 13. This is still practiced today, as far as I know, among the Arabs, who are are no longer pure-blooded Ishmaelites. They have been mixed uh, with various races, including blacks. So, but they still have this uh, tradition of circumcising their sons at the age of 13, which is just more proof that all of this uh, biblical stuff is real and the traditions still pertain today. Okay? They still pertain today. But, of course, there's only one bloodline here that has remained pure, and that is the bloodline of Isaac through Israel into the Caucasian people. And some related people, uh, the the Poles, who are uh, uh, part of the Japhetic uh, household, they're pretty much purebred, okay, purebred white people. So uh, and it's a struggle. That's what the war, <coughs> World War Three, is all about: destroying the purity of our bloodline throughout the world. And so, instead of making direct war upon us through the sword. They have decided uh, on using the injection needle, <laughs> right, to destroy mm-hmm. our DNA. And, you know, because so many people are utterly clueless about the Bible and what's at stake here, they're lining up to get injected and they're dying, they're getting sick, and they might as well be, you know, volunteering for the, uh, what do you call it, uh, to get shot in the head. That's that they might as well be volunteering to get shot in the head with a bullet, yep. like in the old Bolshevik regime. That's what's at stake here. Okay, brother Dan, very good show. Uh, I think yes. we, we established the bloodline today. All right. Yeah, I From enjoyed Abraham. it. Okay. All right. Take care, brother. We'll see you next week. See you all. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.